0: Talk 939 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This, this is the CEO Roundtable
1: with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia.
0: Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And good Saturday morning. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Fred Perry, your host today. We have got a very special program planned for you. Uh, we have been very lucky to uh, to pull someone out of retirement uh, and uh, get an update on, on Columbia's economy, you know, COVID-19. Uh, There's two parts of this crisis. One is the medical crisis and the other is the economic crisis that Columbia and Boone County will be facing as we start to as a vaccine is is rolled out and as we start to rebuild uh, our city. Uh but we're so pleased to have uh, a retired banker Jeff McClellan uh on the phone with us uh today to uh talk about Columbia and Boone County's economy. Jeff has been studying this thing uh since uh, uh 1987, so over 30 years and so he has a wealth of knowledge about some trends and and kind of what's been happening lately. So Jeff, good morning. Glad to have you with us.
1: Morning, Fred, How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Uh it's uh, I-, I want to start off and talk a little bit about your background. Um and I hope you'll tell the story about how you first came to Mid-Missouri and where you were living at the time.
1: Well, I was uh, in a in a bank in Dallas. Actually, I was CEO of a, of an affiliate bank. I was with a bank holding company that had about 44 affiliates, and I was the CEO of one of their affiliates. And um, I don't know, it was uh, February of 87, I guess, Mark Landrum, who was then the largest shareholder of uh, what was then First National Bank in, mm-hmm. in Columbia he um uh, he started talking to me about coming to columbia they they were looking for a president and uh long story short i moved to columbia august first of eighty seven as president of uh, First National Bank. So that's kind of where all this began. And uh, maybe a little bit of background. One of the things that I had learned in banking is that uh, in Texas was going through a very difficult time in the mid to late 80s with uh, the rise of the barrel of oil from 10 to $50 a barrel and then back down to 10 or $12 a barrel. Um, that big rise in, in energy costs had fueled... A huge expansion, primarily in real estate, and and banks were having a hard time, primarily with commercial real estate. And you know, I I thought at the time, there's got to be a better way to figure out how all this stuff is happening. So when I got here, I just thought, you know, I'm going to put together some economic statistics and follow them. And because I was with a community bank, you know, I figured, you know. If I don't do it, who else is? And anyway, so that was sort of the genesis, if you will, of of my looking at the local economy.
0: And so uh, when you first came to First National Bank in 1987, that was not the first time you had been in Missouri, correct?
1: No, that's correct. (laughs) I uh, actually had gone to Missouri Military Academy in Mexico from 1962 to 66 for high school yeah so yeah i that's how i got to know mid-missouri and actually i had an uncle in in uh columbia who was the regional vp for state farm and in those days the state farm office there uh, managed both missouri and kansas and my uncle was in charge of that
0: and that was a guy that everybody in columbia knew at the time his name was don dugan correct that's correct yeah
1: great man you know and in fact it just as an aside you know with the Hank Waters recently passing away and Tom Atkins recently passing away, yeah. Those those were two guys that uh, he admired and uh, he was close friends with, and it kind of brings back uh, some of those people that you know made Columbia what it is today. That's right, starting back in those days. Yeah,
0: but you were actually living in the country of Mexico, is that correct
1: when you when you came uh, to? That's where I was. No, no, I was born and raised here. Okay. And, um, you know, I was there until I was 14 when I went to MMA. And then I, I did actually, for when I worked for Republic Bank, I ran the Republic Bank office there for a couple years.
0: Okay. All right. Very good.
1: Well, and that's my a... Daughter, my daughter was born there.
0: Okay. Well, that's a, an interesting background, but we appreciate uh, you joining us this morning. And, and I wanted to... your um, your. You've been tracking Colombia's economy since uh, 1987 and I I guess from a historic perspective um what are some of the the benchmarks when you look when you look at the last 32 years 33 years uh what are some things that really kind of stand out to you about uh, you know major turning points in uh uh Colombia's economy
1: Well let me just start with the population yeah. when I when I got there in um, 1987 Columbia's population was around sixty five thousand, mm. and when you reflect on that, you know today. I mean, we'll we'll know here soon with the twenty twenty census what our actual population is now. But uh, it the population has almost doubled, you know. So the city has grown tremendously, and, and yet you you think about that thirty three years, it's grown about two thousand in population a year. So you know that would be sixty six thousand yeah. versus sixty five. Yeah. So, you know, just the, the sheer growth, and it and it's interesting to me. I uh, My wife is from Jeff City, and Jeff City's population today is 43,000. Well, back in 67, it was 35,000. So, you know, why Columbia? Why not Jeff City? And, you know, I'm sure people will have lots of opinions when you ask a question like that. But Columbia really has experienced tremendous growth. You know, St. Louis and Kansas City have certainly not doubled in the last uh, in the last 33 years. Yeah. Springfield may have. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, you know, so I think the growth is, is one thing that sort of sticks out. To the complexity. Um, you know, today when you look at the number of companies and, and, uh, oh, one of the things I've always done is looked at the Chamber and Ready put together the list of the biggest companies. And that used to, that list used to be fairly modest. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, today if you look at that list, it's about 30 different companies that have, you know, anywhere from a uh, hundred and fifty or so employees up to about eighty five hundred, like the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. That that list has diversified greatly, um, and yet at the top of the list, you still have the companies that make uh, Columbia as stable as it has been over the last thirty three years. Yeah. So, and, I, I think those are a couple things that stick out.
0: Yeah. So, of course, you know, healthcare is a is a big driving uh, factor in our economy, uh education, uh insurance. Uh have you seen anything sort of challenge those three in in the over the last thirty years?
1: Right, I think I think you hit the three that still you know, education is still the big driver and, and when I say that, you know, I think people forget how many students we have in town. Uh if you think if you just take the thirty one thousand students at the University of Missouri the 19,000 students at, in Columbia Public Schools, I mean, that's 50,000 right there. Uh-huh. And our population's like 123,000. And then you can add on probably another four or 5,000 from Columbia College, Stevens College, the independent schools. I mean, Columbia Independent School, uh, Tolton. I mean, I can give you the list, but uh-huh. you have a lot of others, you know. And, and so we probably have 55,000 students walking around that town. And um, yeah, that, that's just a, it's a huge industry. Yeah, it really is. Drives down the average um, age as well, I guess. There's absolutely no, and and when you look at that, Columbia is a young town. I mean, that's something I think we all probably like about Columbia is, is that it is a young town, yeah. but um, you know, it, it, it has been and will continue to be healthcare, you know, has, has had a, a tough challenge. Um, in the last uh, in recent times and we can get into that more with this pandemic and i'd like to think it's coming back but you know when we when we shut everything down back in uh, march and april i mean interestingly enough with a pandemic you had health care almost in a crisis mm-hmm. and uh, and insurance is still a significant part of the town but but probably less important today than it was at one time because one of your two big players is really winnowing down its presence in town and being safe farm.
0: So we we remember a uh, very famous economics professor at the University of Missouri who used to talk about Columbia as a recession-proof economy. And, you know, over the years we've seen some things, you know, like health care reform and and, uh, tort reform that have dramatically impacted health care and insurance and education um but uh would you would how would you characterize uh the 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 recession proof uh nature of columbia's economy would you agree or disagree
1: i would somewhat agree and, and let me tell you what's changed is that back in the days when it was quote recession proof or at least deemed to be re- recession proof um, the state was in a lot better shape. Education funding was in a lot better shape than it's been in the last, say, 10 or 15 years. I can't remember exactly when the state started cutting funding to the University of Missouri. But University of Missouri has, has had to start relying a whole lot more on outside, outside sources of income than state funding for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's been exacerbated here by the, the pandemic because of state budget cuts. Um, So, you know, education is is less important today, but still, you know, I don't want to diminish the impact that education has on the community because it's still a primary driver. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at, though, the rest of of the companies involved in in the Columbia community, you know, we're a lot more diversified today, and what that means is we're probably a lot more um, subject to the whims of the national economy than we used to be just because, we have more companies that play in that arena or in that Mm -hmm. lane. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, I I don't think it's recession proof that said um, we seem to have um, our lows aren't as low as others. Our, our highs seem to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll get into something later. The unemployment rate, I think is one of the biggest uh, indicators of that. Yeah. You
0: know, uh, in the last 10 years, we've had uh, a couple of companies sort of come in in the home lending business, uh, Veterans United um, and, uh, you know, Flat Branch Mortgage. And, and you know, we see uh, some of these mortgage companies that have really had significant growth. They've hired away a lot of employees uh, from uh, different employers in Columbia. They brought a lot of people to Columbia that were not here before. Um, what do you see happening in that sector as a as a? A retired banker, does that surprise you to see so much growth in that home lending sector?
1: Um, not really, Fred. I, you know, I think, um, take Veterans United. They've been wildly successful. And, and, you know, they basically just do one type of lending. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it is a, you know, they, they lend to veterans, but yeah. but they do it in a different way. I mean, it's, you know, we can talk about this a whole lot more later, but they do their job remotely. And I mean, it is driven. It, you know, it's kind of like an Amazon of veterans lending. Um, yeah. It's all done remotely. Yeah, and and they've figured out a, a better way to attract that business and differentiate themselves, and and all the things you want to do, and, and obviously provide good quality product.
0: Yeah. Big difference. And so, I mean, it's just, uh, it's remarkable to see the growth of these companies. You know, you would give, um, these, uh, you would give these presentations for, you know, for 30 years, you did this around Columbia and, and, uh, uh, you were on the rotary club circuit and, and, uh, the chamber of commerce and, and people loved hearing your presentations about the local economy. Um, do you see a big difference? Um, you know, we, we, we sort of talked about some of the subtle changes, uh, you know, the population being the, the big thing, but, um, what about retail? I think there's a big question mark about retail right now because of the Amazons, uh, you know, because of COVID, we saw, you know, a tremendous number of closings. Um, what, what's your sense about retail these days?
1: You know, retail has changed, Fred. I mean, if um, you and I are both old enough to remember when, when we didn't order anything over the Internet and, uh, I mean, you just didn't do that. You know, you always went to the local uh, mall or store and, and you bought, you know, you looked at what you were buying. You tried it on. And, um, you know that sounds I'm really dating myself now when I say that um retail's been under siege for a long time though in, in the sense that you know it it is largely moved online and where people have almost too many choices, if you will um and you know it's convenient um I think there's you know there's another societal thing is that you you know most most families today, both parents work if there are two parents and you know they just don't have much time and and you know it's so much easier to shop over the internet than taking time to go someplace so that's all been changing structurally for quite a while now and and i think again the pandemic has probably accelerated that and um mm-hmm. you know it, it's among those things that i think will have changed forever when when this current period is is said and done we've
0: got about a minute before our first break here but uh, uh something near and dear to your heart something you know very well but the talk about the change in banking especially in Colombia you know we've we've seen some uh i guess c- consolidation we've seen uh national larger com- regional companies come in and take over uh what's your assessment of the banking industry in Colombia right now
1: well, it's it's clearly changing. Um, what's happening is that it's tough to make it as a as a small bank anymore, and I mean that's what you saw when Landmark sold out to Simmons, and you know there there's definitely consolidation. Golly, I you know when I got in the business, oh, it's been forty years ago or so. I hate to admit, but you know, there were seventeen thousand banks, and today we're down around six thousand. Wow! So you know it's yeah, all fair. driven by economies of scale and. And, um, you know, I think as, as with most things, you know, you, you have to, I mean, it's profit driven. And, you know, you kind of have to consolidate to continue figuring out ways to make more and more money. So, yeah. Um, chance. yeah, there's consolidation, and I think you're going to see. Continued consolidation.
0: Yeah. All right. We are visiting with Jeff McClellan, uh, who is uh, for 30 plus years uh, has been sort of the guru, uh, the go to guy for uh, details and information about Columbia and Boone County's economy. When we come back, we're going to talk with uh, Jeff about COVID 19 and the impact that that has had on our local economy and on the national economy. You are listening to the CEO Roundtable on Hot Talk 939, The Eagle. Nice people. He's breaking down what's going on inside Columbia. It's Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable, Fred Perry. Good Saturday morning to you all. Glad that you have tuned in. I hope you caught the first segment of the show. A very interesting conversation with Jeff McClellan. Uh, we are talking about Columbia and boone county 's economy, and one of the things i 'd like to focus on in this segment is is how is Columbia and Boone County ultimately going to recover? from COVID-19 because uh, we have taken our fair share of hits and there have been a lot of people that have lost their jobs. But uh, Jeff, let's begin our conversation um, and talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the national economy, a little bit uh, grander scale there. What what have been your observations?
1: Well, let's just start with you know the fact that what has happened in the last six months or so is, has been totally unprecedented, Fred. I mean, when you see your government basically locking down the country for roughly 45 days. And when I say that things just came to a stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, and it was eerie. I don't know where you were when all this started, but I mean, I, there was nobody on the streets. And. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no, I mean, we weren't hardly allowed to go to a grocery store. That's not entirely true, but, you know, well, pretty close. I'm a senior. I, I could go early, and it was really empty early. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it just was. You yeah. Know? And, and, but restaurants were closed, you know, it just, uh, it totally unprecedented. Yeah. And um, what was interesting to me is is what the effect was going to be on the economy and trying to figure that out. And, you know, we quickly saw that we just had unprecedented numbers of people losing jobs. I think it was ultimately around 30 million. And, you know, we've gained a lot of those back. But, uh, but still, unemployment is still at about 8.3 or 4 and, um, percent. And the point is, we just saw a lot of unprecedented things happen. And then on the other side, you saw sort of an unprecedented response by the government, with you know three trillion dollars of stimulus, and the Fed dropping rates to zero with very accommodative monetary policy, and uh, you know it just—I uh, mean—I kind of shake my head. I you know I look at our national debt at twenty-seven trillion dollars. Well, that's caused by the fact that we're going to have just a huge deficit. I mean, unpre—you know—trillion-dollar deficits were. We're not the norm, right? Where this year our, our deficit is going to be three or four trillion. Yeah, um, you know, just unbelievable what what happened. So, um, so you know, and I, I could cite a lot of numbers. You don't want me to do that, but yeah, it just I mean, every day there's some new new number that pops up that you say that's never happened before. Yeah, and
0: we, you know, we're kind of kicking the can down the road to our children and grandchildren. And um, when will that sort of bite us in the butt? I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to, you know. There's a lot of people who say, "Oh well, they're just printing money; it's no big deal." But but there are some long term consequences of of uh,
1: well of this kind you know, of just debt. Look at our, yeah, look at our national budget. You know, I mean, this year, you know, I think we got revenues of maybe four trillion, but we'll have expenses of seven trillion. Mm-hmm. And when you just take twenty seven trillion, at pick a number four percent, mm-hmm. that's over a trillion dollars in just interest expense. So low interest rates are masking the debt problem for a while. I mean, it, you know, it, it it's allowing us to continue ahead at a low level of interest rates. But when interest rates normalize, whatever in the heck that may be, um, you know, the national debt is just going to be huge in terms of the uh, interest expense and debt service that, that's going to occur. And, uh, yeah, it's I mean, it, it is something that we're hanging around our kids' and grandkids' neck that they're going to struggle with, you know, the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, and by the way, it started under George W. Bush with the Iraq War mm-hmm. and deficit spending for that, and then the Obama administration added about $10 trillion, and, and I think now the Trump administration's added about $7 trillion. So, you know, it, it's happened in, in the very recent past, I mean, since about the year 2000 yeah and uh, our two thousand five actually in the last fifteen years mm-hmm. that we have just had this explosion of national debt, but so much on that topic. yeah
0: it's a, it's scary one of the things that you you look at uh when you you look at the health of the uh, of of a, an economy you look at uh uh unemployment and employment rates um mm-hmm. so we i it you mentioned that uh missouri uh was showing about an eight point three percent unemployment rate um uh, no, the na- nation was. I'm sorry. Missouri had a 6.9 percent unemployment rate. Uh, Boone County is in a bit better shape at 5.1, but still, that's pretty high uh, for Boone that's County right. historically. But so, what's your reaction when you see those kinds of numbers?
1: Well, going back to what we discussed in the last segment, you know, clearly Columbia is not being impacted as negatively as as either the state or the nation in terms of its unemployment rate. You know, and, and when I say that, that that's almost. Clinical. I mean, I you know any one person out of a job. I mean, they're they're untold stories of hardship. When you think about you know not being able to pay your rent, buy food. You know, I mean, go on and on and on. And, and yet, our problems are relatively less than than a lot of our neighbors and, and certainly the people in the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, a large part of that is is uh, if you look at the top you know employers in town they're relatively stable albeit you know the fact that the university has you know been able to do what they've been able to do i mean yeah i never really heard a lot about furloughs and and they have mastered that process uh with without letting go too many people which i I think is remarkable bottom line columbia is not as is faring a lot better than than most everybody else
0: so at one point uh, in early April, it seems like unemployment rate, the unemployment rate in uh, Boone County was there were 19,000 first time um, unemployment claims, um, yeah. which, which, you know, that's uh, that is a shocking number for a for traditionally what has been the lowest unemployment rate in the entire state. Um, what, what do you okay. make of that number?
1: Well, I, you know, I don't know what to make of it because let me give you some other numbers. You know, our unemployment, I mean, our unemployment, our unemployed today is about 5,000 people. Uh, according to the latest number, 4,934 in July. So I'm not real sure where the 19,000 came from. That may have been a reaction to what was going on where people were filing yep. that, that may have just been furloughed. Yep. You know, not quote in the numbers in terms of unemployed uh but they were filing for un- uh, unemployment insurance because uh you know they they didn't have a job at the current time or weren't getting paid mm-hmm. so um i think our real core number is more like 5000 than 19000 mm-hmm. but yeah that it's a scary number when you see it pop up like that in a in a place that traditionally doesn't have much unemployment yeah
0: yeah it's um it, it is it is a tell-tell. I mean, it really does tell the story of what's happening here in Columbia. But uh, again, uh, we are insulated by these major employers who, who don't seem to, to uh, feel it the way that the service sector does. I think that's one of the struggles that we have in Columbia and Boone County is that about 25% of our jobs are in the service sector. You know, these are the people that are working in hotels and restaurants and, and in the hospitality business. And, you know, uh, they're barely earning a living wage to begin with. And then when that gets cut, um, of course, you know, we had a couple of months where people were getting an additional $620 a week uh, in unemployment oh. insurance, but you know, that um, didn't make him real eager to go back to work uh, by, by any standard, but um, it was just, you know, uh something that we just had never seen in, in Columbia. So, um, yeah. yeah, so if you were Jeff, if you were to uh, have a magic wand and if you were the, uh, the economic czar of Columbia and Boone County, and, and you were going to play an active role in rebuilding Boone County and sort of uh, getting us over this hump so that we can go back to the good days where we had uh, the economic growth uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, unparalleled in some respects. Uh, what would you? What are the, the chess pieces that you would move uh, on behalf of Columbia's economy to, to make things better?
1: Well, I think Columbia's actually done some of that uh, over the last 30 years, if you will. Mm-hmm. But but the kinds of things that I think, you know, uh, already does, you know, trying to to attract and, and grow and, and retain, you know, the the people that are already here. I mean, uh, it, it sounds simple, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you want to try and diversify your revenue base. And, I mean, that's something, you know, when I was running the bank, I was, what I was trying to do. And most every business focuses on the same thing. You know, how do I grow my revenues? And, and if you look at it sort of from that perspective, you, you want to diversify your base and continue to grow your, your good businesses. Uh, something else that I think, um, you know, the university has probably done a better job in the last 10 years of commercializing some of their research. But But I think we need to see more out of the university, you know, commercializing ideas and products and that type of thing out of the university probably one of the the big problems we have is lack of venture uh, capital Mm -hmm. in this community you know uh, we we can get businesses started pretty well uh, but we can't seem to grow them because you know the, the businesses are not mature enough for bank lending and and they just need that that risk capital if you will venture capital and we really don't have, you know, they've got to go to St. Louis, Kansas City or elsewhere for, you know, that kind of, of funding, if you will. So, you know, but I think those are the kinds of things that we need to see more efforts behind uh, to, to you know, grow our own. Frankly. Yeah. What,
0: what are the barriers and, uh, to 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 raising that kind of money? Is it just does that kind of money not exist in Columbia or is it just people are maybe right. reluctant to, to lay it out there?
1: It You know, it doesn't really exist here, Fred. I mean, there is something there. But we don't have this, the structures, if you will, that, to create, you know, a, a big venture capital pool. And you know, frankly, they're, they're in Silicon Valley. They're in, you know, New York. They're, they're in the places where they're more likely to run into the companies that they can spur the growth of very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's just we're not big enough. Yeah, You know, we're just not big enough. It is
0: interesting to see some of the, um, you know, the, the university, the, the transfer of technology from the university lab to the marketplace. You know, we, we've seen some pharmaceutical products. Uh, we, we've, we've seen Beyond Meat, it, you know, started in a university lab and is right. now a big deal, but most of their funding came from, you know, the, the West Coast. Um,
1: they had to leave town. Yeah. Yeah. They had to leave town to get the funding. Yeah.
0: And so that, uh, really is an impediment when you, you think about what could yep. come from that. Um, should the university be doing something else to sort of attract that money to to Mid Missouri?
1: You know, um, I think there are examples of that. I think University of Texas has done probably a really good job over the years. You know, I remember Austin, Texas, when it was not unlike Columbia, Missouri, and today that's a million you know population metropolitan area, if not bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And they've done a pretty good job. You know, people like Michael Dell didn't hurt building. Um, uh, uh, computer uh, industry there, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they seem to have done a good job, and and other universities as well have done a good job, and I'm not smart enough to tell you what the university needs to do. I I see them working in that direction, but, you know, we probably need a a more robust effort, honestly, in, in that regard. Yeah.
0: You know when I you think about uh, how we sort of would rebuild after after COVID nineteen I think that some of the um, s- some of the you know the resistance uh, in this community to uh, providing economic development incentives um, you know tax uh, waivers and so forth right. um, is not met with um, it's not exactly embraced and I think there's a there's a big part. Of our community that wants Columbia just to sort of be the charming community that it is right now, or that it was ten years ago. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as as someone who is um, you know an armchair economist, what what's wrong with that? With that with that approach?
1: Well, you know, if we're going to compete, um, yeah, we do need to get more aggressive on the tax incentives and tax benefits because I was on the Ready Board and actually head of Ready back in the '90s, and uh, you know, we really did not compete. Uh, very well with, with some of the companies that, uh, that approached us because they were just getting better deals elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm not that close to ready anymore. I, I assume that is still the case, but, but you're right. There's a general sentiment in town that, uh, we really don't want to compete for a lot of that business. And, that uh, you know, we want to just be this nice, uh, comfortable education town and, and, uh, You know, as long as we do that, we're probably not going to attract those kinds of businesses um, very well.
0: Uh, When we come back from this break, uh, Jeff, I want to talk to you a little bit about job training, because I I think that is something uh, while we pride ourselves in uh, being sort of a uh, the capital of higher education in the state, we really have maybe missed the ball when it comes to uh training people who are not college bound uh, in terms of the right. the skills and and the trades uh, and those are, you know, it's if you live in Columbia, Missouri, you know that it's almost impossible to get a tradesman to come to your house and and take care of a heating and air conditioning <laughs> problem or a plumbing problem or whatever. It's just it's a real tough deal. But when we come back, we'll yeah. talk about what we can do to to change that. Uh, we are visiting with Jeff McClellan, a retired banker, uh, spent uh, more than thirty years here in Columbia in the banking industry, uh, and uh, really someone who has just sort of taken the lead on on watching and studying and analyzing Columbia's economy. We'll be back with uh, Jeff. McClellan. Right after this, this is the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to Hot Talk 93.9 The
1: Eagle.
0: You're listening to Inside Columbia with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, as you have been listening to uh, this show this morning, you've heard the voice of Jeff McClellan, who, uh, really has probably one of the best understanding of, uh, um, of, uh, Columbia's economy, Boone County's economy, uh, over the last 30 years. And he has seen a lot of trends. And, uh, as we, uh, move towards the end of the show, we'll, we'll talk about some of the surprises that Jeff has, has noted, uh, from the last 30 years. But I want to continue our conversation about just sort of the, uh, the lack of vocational training, um, for the trades and, and special skills uh, we do. Uh, we think we're very close to getting a Rankin Technical College uh, campus built in uh, Southern Boone County, which I think will make a big difference. But um, just over the years, Jeff, as you have watched that trend, uh, how would you assess uh, our need for vocational training?
1: Well, I think our need is, is quite high. And again, you know, sitting on the ready board, it was, uh, or and actually being head of it for a while, um, one of the things that was always interesting to me is that our unemployment rate uh, worked against us. Our unemployment rate was so low that new companies worried about the skill pool that was available. Should they come to town? And uh, and you know they weren't necessarily talking managers. They were talking machinists and yeah. those kinds of things. And you know I, what has caused that? I think you know, frankly, all of us have kind of overblown the value of a college degree for. Probably generations. Uh, I know my parents. Um, there was no way I wasn't going to get a college degree, and and my brother as well. And and I know that's the way we raised our kids. But you know, you, you wonder if if we just haven't made a mistake there because there's so many other skills that are that really uh, make good money. I mean, I, whether you're a master carpenter, or a plumber, or an electrician, you know, th- those are those are really good jobs and and ver- very much in need. Uh, around our community and frankly around the nation. Mm-hmm. So I think we missed the mark there, you know, we've kind of emphasized the wrong the wrong thing for a long time.
0: Yeah. So there's, you know, Mobile Area Community College has done a pretty good job of of, of stepping up and partnering with local companies to uh you know, create some vocational training through the degree programs, associate degree programs, uh, that in, in their mechatronics program, for example. But, and, you know, they feed most of those kids to 3M, 3M hires all that they can get from, uh, Mobile Area Community College. But, uh, right. uh, you, I think that for a long time, even though Columbia had a really strong, uh, a good vocational education program, career center, it, it seems like teachers in, the, in our local district almost felt like they were failing if they couldn't get those kids to go to a four year college, uh, but that has changed dramatically. I mean, I, I think that, uh, it's, it's proven out that a lot of these kids that are going to the vocational schools are, are graduating after four years with a secure job or after two years with a, with a, a, uh, a great, uh, skill set and they're gonna make Sixty, seventy thousand dollars, depending on where they go, uh, a lot more sometimes than the four-year grad. So it's it's a that is correct an interesting change and uh, and that, that is correct. And we just haven't embraced it as a community, but I but I think uh, we're starting to open our eyes and, and have made some some progress in, in that area.
1: Um, yeah, and an associated problem with that is the debt that kids come out with after they go to college. You yeah. Know, and yeah, how they how they retire that debt when they don't have that much of an income.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about some of the uh, the the biggest changes that we might expect to see in our economy as a result of COVID-19. And, you know, there's been this shift to I was having uh, lunch with some guys today and, and uh, the, one of the things that we were uh, or yesterday we were talking about uh, the the change um, in the workforce and, and how we once thought six months ago. That if our employees worked remotely or from home, they were just going to be slacking. But I think a lot of us have discovered that our employees are a lot more productive when they work from home. So I want to talk about online learning and and remote work and and sort of, you know, how much of of that is COVID going to uh, cause to happen in our local economy?
1: Well, you know, I wish I was nearly smart enough to tell you exactly all the changes that are going to occur because of the pandemic. In fact, if I was really smart, i'd be making a lot of money but <laughs> but there's no question i mean you're hitting on a couple that are mm-hmm. you know are probably going to be changed forever uh the remote you know the <laughs> i'm not going to call it the advent of because there were remote workers prior to the pandemic, mm-hmm. but I think what's happened is that you know employers as well as employees have realized that, you know, it, it may work better than actually being in an office. Yeah. And um, for a variety of reasons, which we don't have time to get into here. And likewise, I think the whole teaching profession, you know, the, or the learning uh, profession, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, is going to be changed dramatically as we go, for, go forward. And I'm not sure I'm smart enough to figure out exactly what all that means, but but the pandemic is going to cause profound changes In a lot of different areas and you know retail i think is another one i think you know the the amazons of the world and the walmarts of the world are doing great because they have so much so much so many online sales but even even look at your grocery stores that now sell so much online you know you just drop by get in line pick up your groceries yeah you don't even go inside you know and and i think so so many things are changing that way now what does that mean? I, I'm not sure I'm smart enough to figure that out. But but I do know this. Technology is driving us in a different direction at a time of need, like with the pandemic when we were locked down. And, and now, you know, I think our entire society is hybrid. Um, you know, what, what do you do in person? Well, you certainly don't. You know, you certainly don't gather together whatever the forum or venue is. Mm-hmm. We just don't do that anymore. Yeah. And we're not going to do it until, you know, the the uh, COVID-19 becomes just another flu strain. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, we have a vaccine, we've got the proper therapies and all that kind of stuff that, you know, it, yes, it's there, but it's just another disease that we can get. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think a lot of these things will have changed by then. So...
0: You know, one of the things, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that one of the things that has been exposed and it's certainly, uh, since becoming a County commissioner, this is something that has been a, uh, a red hot item on, on my radar is, is sort of the, uh, the lack of reliable broadband. And, uh, you know, you see this throughout the state of Missouri, you see this throughout parts of Boone County, even in the city limits of Columbia, there are people that do not have good reliable broadband. Um, any thoughts on on what's going to have to happen with that sector to get caught up with, with the new demand?
1: Well, you know, again, I think, um, <laughs> you know, necessity is the mother of invention, mm-hmm. something I've heard all my life. Yeah. You know, this is just going to accelerate a lot of that type of conversion. I mean, it just has to, because, you know, we all want things right now, and we want them to work right. and you know, I, and when when they don't, you know, you're totally frustrated anymore if your Internet's not working. Uh-huh. It's like, what can I do? You yeah. know, you feel paralyzed. So I think it's going to accelerate that, Fred, to answer your question. And uh, so that all of us have, you know, the ability to at least, you know, access stuff like that. Now, whether we will or not is another question. Uh-huh. But, uh yeah, I think it's going to be far more available than it has been. Yeah. Before
0: we wrap up the program, I want to spend a few minutes talking with you about some of the the biggest surprises that you have seen uh, coming out of the COVID-19 or, or coming through the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, what what is what's one of the economic indicators that has really surprised you?
1: I can tell you the one that surprised me this year. It's our housing market. Mm -hmm. you know if if you look at the the board of realtors publishes monthly statistics on housing sales and you know a lot of stuff you can look at but um we're we're quietly having a very actually the best year we've had in maybe a decade maybe a little longer than that in housing sales you know they're up uh oh a little over six percent year to date and and interestingly despite you know the the economy and what is going on there, prices are up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anecdotally, I, I've got, you know, a family member who put their house on a market Saturday morning and had four offers over asking price mm-hmm. by Sunday evening. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, stuff like that. I shake my head and say, you yeah, know, that doesn't make sense. That's mm-hmm. almost. <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't sound logical to me. But our housing market has been pretty strong. Yeah. In fact, I could argue it should have been stronger because one of the problems that the board of realtors will tell you about right now is lack of inventory. Yeah. You know, there there are not enough houses on. I think we're down to about one point two months of inventory. You know, in, in our market, which is very very low. Mm-hmm. And and I know the amount of housing under two hundred thousand is less than a month. Yeah you know, and that, and that's where the greatest demand is. Yeah. Uh, that's so, one of the know, things that's that stuff surprises. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, uh,
0: it is remarkable and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, and prices have been great, um, in, in because it's certainly a seller's market. And, uh, uh, but I think that, uh, there's going to be realtors are going to be happy to see the inventory get back to what was once normal. So anyway, it's been a, that's a real struggle. Um, kind of just, uh, uh, I want to talk a little about vulnerabilities and and kind of uh, some of the things that uh, where Columbia might be overexposed. Uh, um, you know, one of the things I I sort of worry about is the uh, the lack of affordable housing in our community. Uh, some of the um, you know the lack of vocational training. But do do you see other areas where we're somewhat vulnerable uh, in Boone County?
1: Um. You know, when I when you ask a question like that, Fred, I always think about what do we depend upon most? And you know, you you think about the University of Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I worry about their funding challenges. You know, I I worry about this sounds crazy their viability long term. You know, and I'd say that almost about any I mean learning institution right mm-hmm. now. How how is learning going to change with with what is going on right now? Uh, You know, what if MU has to shut down in the next week or month Mm -hmm. or two months or, you know, what? I mean, that's that kind of stuff scares me because we are highly dependent, you know, on the educational machine in that town. And and, you know, something structurally goes wrong with it. It could have a huge effect on, on our community. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at look at the downtown buildings. Gosh, I remember 15 years ago. There was hardly anything over, you know, five stories tall downtown. Yep. And and there's been a transformation. I mean, there really has. Been. Yep. Um, but anyway, I, you know, the, that kind of thing. But it's kind of like, you know, when I was in banking, you'd look at your customer, and if they were selling two thirds of their goods to one customer, you you worried about it. I mean, it's great for them, but it, you worried about it if they lost the customer. Yeah. You know right. what happened to their revenue stream? Mm-hmm. Well, same thing with Was same thing with Columbia? You know, what if we? What if uh, education really gets impacted by this and i 'm not sure I know what I mean by that statement, but uh,
0: well I mean I think we 've seen it very we, heavily yeah we 've seen it with covid nineteen and and sort of the transformation that 's right. taken place and and so uh, hey right. last March when all these students left Columbia, Missouri, I can tell you we felt it as a community and uh,
1: there 's no question
0: yeah, and so it it but that is a, a an interesting vulnerability and and uh uh, we just have to hope that things get back to normal as quickly as possible. But, uh, Jeff, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your morning this morning to, to spend time with us. You you always have such great insight and uh, such a, a knowledge of, of sort of what makes Columbia tick. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the program again soon.
1: Okay. Thanks, Fred. I enjoyed doing
0: it. Absolutely. That is Jeff McClellan, a retired banker. Uh, you probably knew him from First National Bank and Landmark Bank and, uh, but, uh, for many years here in Columbia. But, uh, he, uh, certainly, uh, we are thankful that he is, uh, keeping track of things and, and, uh, can give us the insight that we need. We'll be back next Saturday with another edition of the CEO Roundtable. And, uh, we certainly hope that you'll join us again next Saturday morning. I'm Fred Perry. I'm your host of the CEO Roundtable, and you are listening to Hot Talk 939 The Eagle. This city is my city,
1: and I, love it. Yeah, I love-